You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. The way they have to perform on the stage, and they hope and they pray once they get to the stage, and you know, the, this is the voice, and all that happens, and every, the stage is set, and they have the greatest lighting you could imagine, and the greatest PA systems, and there they are. They get on that stage. I cannot imagine the nerves. Man, I was nervous watching LSU play last night, and I wasn't even on the stage, I was on the couch. With a couple of cups of coffee, shaking and, you know, hanging on, you know. But they're up there and they're hoping and praying that a chair is going to turn around for them. It's got to be nerve-wracking for them. But let me say this. It was a huge honor and a big win in their life just to walk on the stage. I'm saying that to say this. The devil will tell you just because maybe you're not in the marquee light or you didn't make the top ten or the top three that you're of no value at all. And that's simply not the case. Are you hearing me say amen? I heard Stephen A. Williams, a great sports commentator, talking. And um, he, he was trying to tell people. He said, listen, um, you're probably not going to be a LeBron James he said, you're probably not going to be uh, somebody like that. You know, an Eli Manning or, or one of these superheroes that are just bigger than life. He said, because that is one in a million. He said, but you could be a Stephen A. Smith. And of course, he's a nationally uh, uh, known radio and uh, television icon. But he says, I grew up, I believe he said, in the Bronx. He said, I, I, you know, I grew up in a very poor situation. had to put myself through school and, and pull my own bootstraps up. And I had to do this and I had to do that. And, and, but he said, I made it. He said, while you might not be a, a LeBron, you can be a Stephen A. Smith. And what I'm saying is this. While we may not win the voice, we can still be used by God. Amen. Since we're in the middle of, I mean, we're not in the middle. We're the very beginning, the early days of football season. For most of you college fans, you're in your second week. LSU's in their first. But nonetheless, um, we just started football, and I thought I would do a little bit of research and see how this might tie into this message as it relates to the voice. And I have found a way. Matter of fact, there's an ESPN writer. His name is Andrew Brandt, and he wrote this. And he's talking about NFL. Now, NFL is not my cup of tea. I mean, I like some of them, but uh, I'm down with the uh, high school and the college. But... But he says many players, here, here's an observation that Mr. Brandt makes, many players in the camp, that is the training camp, spring camp, and, and, and football camp, they have no chance of making the team. He wrote it, I didn't write it. He says, teams have most of their depth chart and their final roster established well before the camp opens. Sure, there'll be a couple of tweaks, but absent uh, of a sustained, impressive performance through camp uh, and a scout or a coach standing up on the table for them, the prospects of them being picked up are very minimal. Sadly, many players have no chance of making the team no matter how well they perform. Watch this. Spring training, NFL teams have got about 90 players that they're starting with. Are you with me? 90 players. And then there comes a cutoff date where they have to dwindle that, uh, dwindle that down to 75 players. That means you've got to make some phone calls. And you've got to tell some people that they didn't make it. And then in a week later, you've got to cut it down to 53. Are you with me? And see, a player usually finds out like this. 
you know, that the team is going to go in a different direction. Uh, Reggie McKenzie uh, was general manager of the Raiders. He said, I called hundreds of players, and I'd say something like this, sorry, big fella, we've got to let you go. And in a flash of a few seconds, players realize that their dream is deferred, if not dead. The call sets in motion steps to purge the player from the roster very quickly and expediently. His locker nameplate is removed. Personal items are boxed up. Playbook is taken. Forms executed with trainers to avoid lingering liability for the team. Travel arrangements are made and he is gone. Y'all all watched Tim Tebow be dismissed from the Eagles and all that. So that's, it is a business. That's how it is. You either made it or you didn't. And that's how it is um, in the voice, you make it or you don't. But here's what I want to tell you. As children of God, and well, no, 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 um, as sinners, amen, not just the saved, but the sinner alike. We're all sinners saved by grace if you've, getting, if you've given your heart to the Lord. But here's what you need to know. That you don't have to go onto the stage and hope and pray that somebody turns around and selects you. Here it is in a nutshell. God has already turned for you. God has already... You know, let me show you this. Uh, this means I don't have to keep trying so hard for God to accept me. Now this is not a license to sin or just live any way you want to. But it does mean that He's already turned His chair for you. It means He's already made His decision. That He's already selected you. That you have made the roster. You have made the cut. You don't have to go home. Now, you're wanting proof. And I'm glad you looked at me that way. Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord. They called him the weeping prophet. He was not very successful. He preached for 38 years without one convert. Wow! But you know what? The Lord said to him, Before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Amen? I called you to do the work of the Lord. I turned my chair for you before your mother began to swell. That's what he said to Jeremiah. To John the Baptist, I think of Mary uh, and Elizabeth, they, uh, cousins, if you will. So here is uh, John the Baptist's mom. She's great with child. And Mary comes to see her one day. As Mary greets her, the Bible says John the Baptist leaped in her womb and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. What I'm saying is we think, well, that represented God turning for him. No, it goes all the way back to Isaiah. Because Isaiah prophesied that there would be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. It would be John the Baptist to fulfill that prophecy. Somebody give him praise. Furthermore, to, to know that God has already made a decision that he wants to use you. There was a woman by the name of Hannah. Her husband's name was Elkanah. She was dis despondent because she could not get pregnant. And, and, and let me just give you a little side note right now. Anytime a woman in the Bible was barren and could not have a child, if she ever had a child, look out, he's going to do something great. You know why? Because it is God that opens the womb. It is God that is the creator of life, the giver of life. So nonetheless, she cries and she prays. She's at the altar one day. Eli is the high priest. He thinks she's drunk. Has a man of God ever missed it? He says, he comes to her and she's wailing and weeping down at the altar. He says, perhaps you've drank 
too much. You've been at the wine too long and all that. I mean, he missed it. And she says, no, no, not so, my Lord. I've not, I don't do that kind of thing. She said, but I'm, I have sorrow of my heart. I'm barren and I cannot have a child. And here's this man of God that just missed it by a mile. Laid his hand on her and said, about this time next year, you'll have a child. <laughs> Is anybody hearing me? How did you miss it by a mile? And then come right back and guess what? She named him Samuel. His name means asked of the Lord. Amen. And she brought him as soon as he was weaned from the breast to be raised in the temple of God. What I'm saying is God made a decision for Samuel to be the priest and the prophet and the judge of Israel before he was ever born. Then I think about Isaac. Oh, I wish I had time to tell you. He was the son of Abraham and Sarah. And God promised them 25 years before he was born that he would be born. Boy, that's a great story. And then I think about Jacob. Uh, God declared uh, that he had selected him over his brother Esau. When he said, the elder shall serve the younger. I think about Joseph. The young son of Jacob, who told about his dream, but nonetheless, his brothers and sisters, even mom and daddy, did not believe him. But God says, I have chosen you. I think about Moses. His name means drawn out. He was drawn out of the Nile River for the purpose that God turned for him. That he would go to the Pharaoh and say, let God's people go. So I just wanted you to know, I believe this is ample proof that God has decided to turn his chair for us. And listen, that doesn't mean just special ones of us. God wants all of us. He's not willing that any should perish. And if you should, if you should go to hell, and that probability or that possibility does exist, but if you should go, you'll go over the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Trying to reach out to you. So, uh, why, why is it important to know that God has decided to turn for me? That God has something for me? Why is that important for me to know that? I'm glad you asked. Because when I know that, I don't have to live in fear. You know, some of the greatest fears that, that, that is upon us, one of the worst things we do, y'all ready for this? It's called comparison. We look at our life, and we look at somebody else that came from a reasonable social status, kind of like it, got, you know, similar age, and we say, oh, I should be way up there where they're at. And I'm poor old little old me, I don't own a Mercedes. Poor old little old me, I don't live in Osprey. Poor old little old me, I don't, you know, and we compare ourselves to somebody else. Dangerous. And I'm not throwing all the stones at you. I've done the same thing. I've looked around at churches our size and said, Lord God, look at here. We should be further up the road. I, 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 I'm guilty as you are. I've done the same thing and sometimes comparing where we are and where I think we ought to be. Sometimes you even get into the, the, the real dangerous game of comparing and saying, Well, I wish my husband was like her husband. I wish my wife was like his wife. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I, I didn't mean to run that rabbit, but there it is. So, but we don't, if we understand that he's turned for us, we don't have to live with the dread that I'm not good enough. I don't have the pedigree. I didn't make the cut. You walk around every day thinking the phone call's coming that says we don't need your services. 
So if you realize that He's already called you, that He's already turned for you, He's already put you on His roster somewhere, you can live in victory and in confidence knowing that if it ain't this, it'll be this. God has something for me. So you need to know that God has turned for you because when He turns for you, there is a reason that He turns for you. Now I want you to understand something. Don't leave out of here today and say, Well, praise God, He turned for me. It's going to be roses from now on. Here's what I want you to know about the voice and what I've learned. When, uh, when your favorite performer comes to the stage... And the lights come on and they start the music and they start singing and all of a sudden, bam, a chair turns around. And maybe another one does. And they have to select them a coach and they do. That's where it all starts, honey. The real hard work now begins. It's not like they bring a crown out and say, you are the voice. They say, no, you have now entered the real competition. What awaits you is a battle round. What awaits you is a knockout round. What awaits you is a live show. You're going to have to dig in. You're going to have to be coached. You're going to have to be trained. You're going to have to work hard, very hard, because you're going to lay it on the line every week. And what God says is, listen, what I'm trying to tell you is this. It's not as simple as saying, well, God just turned. Well, yes, He did. But that means you got to do something too. You can't just show up and just sort of float in the glory. There's something you've got to do, man. Lord, help me. Time has a way. There's going to be some hard times. It won't all be glamorous. Here's what I want you to know. When the voice, when the chair turns on the voice, that is not the end. That is just the beginning. But here are some words of encouragement that I've come to give you today. Because when, when we come to grips with the reality that God has loved me so much that He chose me despite my failures and shortcomings. Are y'all with me? Let, let me blow some of y'all's mind right now. The spiritual elite's going to have a heart attack right here. Y'all get ready to catch them. David was a man after God's own heart. He fell from grace. He committed murder. He committed conspiracy. He committed adultery. He was a liar. He had done some terrible, horrible things. And he was still... A man after God's own heart. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that he would have went to heaven had he been caught in the middle of that. I'm simply saying he failed the Lord much like I have and you have. And when he failed the Lord, he wrote the greatest psalm of repentance, Psalm 51, of all time. And said, Lord, take not away thy spirit from me. Don't, don't separate yourself from me, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, that I might teach transgressors your ways. So David, in the end, he, he, he was still a man after God's own heart. Listen, here, you remember, I got this wrong for many years. It says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. When I grew up, I thought that meant if I didn't answer the call to preach, I was going to hell. As a matter of fact, I even told Kelly that. And we, I said, man, I got to preach, man. I've been called to preach. I don't preach. I'm going to go to hell. Because the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When I got to the seminary a number of years later, I got studying that, and we, we really got digging into it. And found out it literally means the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means God never relents or changes His mind that He called you. 
You might backslide. You might fail. You might go into all kinds of idolatry and debauchery. But God says, I still turned for him. Mm. Y'all starting to mess with me now. But God demonstrated his love toward me. That while I was yet steeped in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5 and 8. John 15 and 16 says it best when he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Hey, I chose you. I turned my chair for you in John 15 and 16. And I appointed you to go forth and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it. Lord have mercy. I ain't even got to my text. How am I going to finish this? What I'm saying is, it is important for you to know that he turned for you. What shall we say then? If God be for me, who can be against me? When I understand that God is cheering for me, when I understand that God gives me, when I understand that God cares about me, and when I failed, He'll discipline me, and He'll get me back in shape, but He wants to establish my going. He wants to plant me beside the river of water. He wants to establish me and His will in my life. When I understand that, I can keep going. So, uh, it's important that you know that He turned a chair for you. Now here's something important for you to do. I don't believe I ought to tell you one thing about what you need to know or why you need to know it unless I tell you something you ought to do and why you ought to do it. Look in Acts chapter 9 with me, if you will. Find one of the greatest men of God in the Word. His name is Paul. Uh... On the voice, they have what is called a blind audition, but in this particular case, I, I preached a message this morning, I'm talking about my blind audition, but I want to talk to you about the Apostle Paul. He literally had a blind audition, but the judge wasn't blind, he was. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Starting in uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice. Uh, saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. A goad is a sharpened object like a, a pointer or something that you would uh, jug a hog. I mean, that's not probably good English, but jug a hog with, try to get him to go up in the chute. He's trembling and astonished and said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city. You'll be told what you must do. The men journeyed with him. They stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, and but his eyes were and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. He was literally blind, but they led him by the hands and brought him to Damascus. And he was there for three days without sight, and he ate or drank nothing. Now there were certain people, a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street that is called Straightening Car of the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying, and in a vision he has seen a man by the name of Ananias coming in and put his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Verse 13 says, And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard many things about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And how he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. And, uh, but the Lord said to him, go. Watch this. For I have turned my chair for him. No. 
He said, He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him, watch this, I told you when they turn their chair for you, it's just the beginning. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and he entered the house and laid his hands on Saul. And he says, watch this, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately it, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Wow. So what I'm saying is this. When we look at him, uh, I, I find that Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus road when the Lord appeared to him and let him know that, hey Saul I've turned for you what does God want you to do what did what did Paul do he said Lord he recognized who it was that knocked him off the horse he recognized the bright light that shone down upon him he the voice and he said Lord what Wilt thou have me to do? So, it's real simple. Um, we simply want you to select him. You see, because on the voice, here's what happens. Somebody's singing, and all of a sudden, bam, this chair turns around. Bam, that one turns. Bam, a fourth chair turn. All of a sudden, the responsibility shifts to the performer. And that performer now has to choose. And the coaches are battling. The coaches are now saying, hey, uh, I turned first, you know. And another one says, but I really understand the genre that you want to sing. You know. And another says, but I came up like you came up. We've got the same history. I can help you. Everybody's vying for it. But the performer has to make a decision that says, I want her or I want him. And what I'm saying today is you got to make a decision. He has turned for you and you got to decide who you're going to serve. You got to decide if you're going to go after him. I can tell you he's the best coach. Well, I felt that one. Paul the apostle went on, listen to me. I'm going to try to tie this up quick. Paul the apostle he went on to become the voice of God. To the guards that he was chained to. Every eight hours when they changed shifts, there was another Christian born in the kingdom of God. They chained another guard to him. And guess what? By the time Paul got through t testifying and praying, when they changed shifts, this guy's a new name had been written down in glory. <laughs> and they changed guards again. Nobody could stay chained to the Apostle Paul for eight hours and escape his talk and escape his testimony. And guess what? Eventually the prayer. And they were being converted left and right, even in prison. He, Paul never got over getting saved. He told the centurion guards. He, he, he told the governor Felix. I always had time to read you the story, but go through the book of Acts, starting with chapter 9 and just follow it on through. When he stood before the governor Felix... told him the story of being saved when he stood before the most noble Festus the governor he told him the story of how the bright light shone round about him on the Damascus road and how the Lord had appeared to him and saved him
And then he stood before King Agrippa. The Bible says, King Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. To the mariners on the boat en route to Rome, 276, I believe, he was the voice of God and said, Not one hair, not one of you will perish. I don't know about you, but I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. He became the voice of God to the mariners on the boat. He said, you should have listened to me, the voice of God, instead of the owners of the boat. When they were shipwrecked, they held on to planks of wood of the boat, and they ran aground on the island of Malta, building a fire. You know, there they are, and these people, look at them, the people of the island, and they said that, Look at me. They must have run away. They must have escaped and, you know, something's happened. And he's building a fire. He reaches throw wood and a viper bites him on the arm. They said, see there? He's escaped from prison and God's caught up with him. He's going to die now. The apostle shook him off and kept right on building the fire. And when immediately he didn't fall down dead, the people of Malta said, Oh no, he's not a devil, he's a God. God is with him. Paul became the, the voice of God to the mariners on the boat, to the people of Malta, and even to the Emperor Nero. He was on the Damascus Road. That Paul realized that God had turned his chair for him, and Paul, so impressed, said, Lord, what will they have me to do? He served him with diligence and integrity and faithfulness the rest of his days. Let me show you this. When you surrender it all to Him, when you surrender it all to God, that's when you really start to live. Let me show you what Paul did. He made three missionary journeys. I wish I had time to tell you all the churches that, that he helped to establish and all the things that he did. But watch this with me. Here's the closing chapter of his life. It comes out of 2 Timothy. He says, in writing to Timothy, he says, Chapter 2 and or 2 Timothy 4 and 6. For I'm now ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me, what's this? A crown, not from the voice. But finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only but to all those who love His appearing. I want you to notice this. Now you remember on the Damascus Road when he realized the Lord had turned for him? And I told you that was just the beginning. It's, it's hard work. Watch this. Verse 9 says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. Paul says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he's departed to Thessalonica. Crestus, he says, has left for Galatia and Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me in the ministry. Antichicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left in Carpus and Troas when you come, and the books, and especially the parchments, the writings of the Bible. Y'all with me? Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You must also be aware, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, 
Paul said, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. I want you to hear the heart of a pastor. May it not be charged against them. Paul said, everybody left. Everybody walked away. God, don't lay it to their charge. And in verse 17, he said, Watch this. But the Lord stood with me. But the Lord. When Demas left me, when Crestus left, when, when this one left and that one left, and you could name the people that have walked out of your life, and when they left, he said, nobody stood with me. But the Lord stood with me. And he strengthened me might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear also I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever amen <laughs> my blind audition what I found out is this, is when God called me as a ninth grader in high school, and when I finally submitted to him a year after high school, in August of 1986, when I said, okay, Lord, I quit running, when I fell on my face and said, God, here I am, I'll do what you want me to do. I understood that he had already turned for me. That's what keeps me going when other people walk out. Is I know that the Lord stands with me. Stand with me if you will. I want to close like this. All heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment. As contestants, we always want the chair to turn for us. We always want that. We hope for it. We pray for it. We sing for it. But I remember on a hillside one evening on a Friday... They had crucified our Lord. While he was dying, he they were nailing his hands and his feet, and one of the last seven sayings on the cross is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He cried with a loud voice and said, Watch this, Eli, Eli, Lamech, say back the night. To be interpreted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I want to explain this to you before we pray. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin. He took upon himself the weight of the world, the sins of the world, nailed it to the cross. And God cannot even look upon sin. 
When he looks at us, he looks at us through the prism of the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. And that's how we stand before him righteous. But Jesus said, listen, watch this. In our hour of, uh, of terrible time and stress, we're begging and hoping the chair will turn around and look at us. And Jesus said, when I was hanging on the cross and cried with a loud voice, the last thing that happened was my father turned and looked the other way. Because he could not look at what I had become. So while we're always vying for the chair to turn and look at us, there Jesus hang between heaven and earth, trying to reach the hand of God and the hand of God's creature, God's creation. And the chair turned the other way. While Jesus Christ took upon himself the sins of the world, the weight of the world. <laughs> what a contrast. What I need you to do is this. I need you to make your mind up like the Apostle Paul that says, I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, listen, this is very important. First of all, if you're lost here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in other words, if the trumpet of the Lord sounded right now, you don't know if you would leave this sanctuary and head to glory or not you don't know nobody's looking around it's me and you it is your blind audition right now the lord has met you on your damascus road the call comes who will you select today if you're here today and you're lost no one's looking around it's me and you and you say pastor i'll choose jesus thank you for listening for more information please visit us at harborwc.com.